one. Welcome to the Fixies Playgrounds, people. Uh, this is Trevor, your owner, operator, creator. Um, it's been a couple months since I've posted an episode. Unfortunately, I had several people cancel on me. I had COVID. I went on vacation. It's uh, It's been a busy last two months, but here we are, September 25th, and I am back and excited and working towards getting y'all more content. So tonight, my guest is a retired financial advisor of 35 years and an author. Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourself, guest? Hi, I'm Jim Flynn. I live in Colebrook, Connecticut. I'm retired. I've, I've written four books. I'm working on uh, writing my fifth book. Oh, okay, good. You're keeping it going, huh? Yep. All right. Well, let's go ahead and get into a few introductory questions just so the listeners can get to know you a little bit better, and then we can touch on your books afterwards. Um, let's just start with an easy one. What is your favorite book to read other than oh. what you've written? <laughs> well, <laughs> I think the best book of all time is The Right Stuff by Tom Wolfe. It's about the astronauts, and it was made into a great movie. Um, it's a pretty old movie. I think it came on in the 1980s. I've but seen it, and I yeah. enjoyed it. So, and, and, you know, like many things, the book is better than the movie because it can be a lot longer. You know, they'd yes. have to make a 20-hour movie to put everything that was in the book. But mm -hmm. the, the movie gets the spirit of the book. Okay. Well, that's good. You know, uh, I think people who, who love the books and, and see movies come out, they understand that there's going to be some stuff lost in translation. Um, and when you're reading a book, oftentimes you're, you're in the mind of the characters, right? Yep. Whereas a movie, you have to portray that on the screen and uh, details that would just kind of sync up with you better while reading the book might not hit you while reading the, uh, watching the movie. So, um, but I'm glad to hear, I didn't even know that there was a book. I didn't know the movie was based on a book, to be honest with you. Yeah, so, it's a uh, terrific book. And, you know, when I had, uh, when my kids were graduating from high school and college and one of their friends would be graduating, that was my graduation gift. I always, I gave the kids I liked a copy of this book. I said, if you want to be a writer, if you have any aspiration at all, even to write a report for your job, read this book because this guy's a great writer. Uh-huh. All right. Yeah. I'm going to have to check it out. I'm going to have to add it to the list. So, yeah. um, other than that, another question, what's another hobby you like to do other than writing? Well, I play golf a lot. Golf a you lot. Know, it's, okay. It's yeah. It's, it's, it's a uh, golf season. So, uh, I, and I'm retired, so I don't play on the weekend cause that's for the guys who work, mm -hmm. but I play nine holes every, pretty much every morning. It's still golf season up here in Connecticut and will be for another month or two. Yeah. So I, I go, I'm the first guy out on the course every morning, play nine holes. And then I come back and I live on a farm. Well, I have a couple horses and 28 acres. So I take care of the horses and have my tractor. And so well, those yeah. are, I, those are, those are two hobbies. Then. My, yeah, you, my golf and my farm. So you probably, yeah, that farm probably keeps you busy all the time. Right. Yeah, well, you know, the horses, uh, horses don't care if it's Thanksgiving or Christmas or New Year's. They want to eat pretty much every day. So, yeah, yeah, I understand. <laughs> um, I'm here in Louisiana, and yep. I live in a more rural area than than most. So I'm surrounded by uh, farms, fields, uh, soybeans, rice, yep, uh, wheat, and then a lot of dairy cows and stuff like that. Um, 
my grandpa, who don't worry, he's he's about 90 years old, so he's a good bit older than you are. Uh, <laughs> he, he, he grew up in the great depression, right? So he grew up, you always had animals around the house, right? Sure. Chickens and, and, um, pigs and stuff like that in case you needed food and you always had a garden. So that stuck with him for the rest of his life. He's still alive, but, um, he has him a little vegetable garden that he sees about every year. Um, and he likes to keep sheep and I don't know why it's specifically sheep, but he always likes to keep sheep and that's, that's kind of what he does. You know, it keeps them busy and gives them something to worry about. Right. So, uh, I can appreciate well, that, that farming aspect. Well, you know, uh, people don't think that Connecticut is having farms, but it does. And Connecticut's famous for its tobacco. Um, it, it has uh, tobacco fields that are specific for cigar wrappers and oh, some okay. of the best, some of the best cigars, in the world have uh, just the wrapper is Connecticut tobacco. Okay. I don't live near there. I live up, I live up in Connecticut's not that big of a state, but I live up in the hills, the foothills of the Berkshire mountains. Mm-hmm. So it's not the, the tobacco is grown in the Connecticut river Valley where it's flat, but yeah. I live where it's pretty, pretty hilly where I live. So uh, we don't have the kind of farms you're talking about there, but there's a lot of horse farms near where I live. Yeah. Uh, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that at all. So, yeah. All right. Well, why don't we go ahead and start touching on your books? Um, I know your first one, if my notes are correct, was be sincere, even when you didn't mean it. Am I correct? Even when you don't mean it. Yeah. Even when you don't mean it. <laughs> yep. Well, uh, I'd like to explain how I got into writing. Yes. Let's get into it. Um, so I was a financial advisor. It's a fancy word for a stockbroker, but they don't they don't let you call yourself that anymore. You have to be a financial advisor. But I did that for 35 years. And I had thought of becoming a writer, especially a sports writer, when I was in college. And and I did some and enough that I got paid for it. Uh, but then I kind of chickened out and wanted to make a living. Because, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, you see all these sports writers on TV, but they're the successful ones. A lot of sports writers are writing articles, you know, John Smith scored 18 points as he led the junior varsity over, you know, yep. yeah, that's a lot of, that's what a lot of beginning sport, that's the kind of sports writing I did. Cause that's where, that's where you start off on the lowest rung. And I, mm-hmm. I, I really didn't want to do that. So anyhow, I, I was in business for 35 years and, uh, the one thing I, I could always write. And the one thing I wrote while I was working was I was a contestant on a TV show, Jeopardy. Yes. And I lost. <laughs> so, you know, that's one thing people, you know, if you watch the show, you don't really think about it. You watch the guy who won and, but two people lose every program. Yep. And it's hard to get on the show. I, I can tell you, everybody in that show is pretty smart and you might not know that by watching because sometimes people get nervous and is there's like one guy who doesn't answer any questions or goes backwards or something. Mm-hmm. It, it's harder to do than it looks for sitting in your living room. Yeah. I mean, so, there's such a thing as stage fright, you yeah. know, um, and just like you said, getting nervous. So, yeah, well, it's, I, I tell people you're in the school play cause it's like being in the school play. Um, 
you know, you go through all the practices, you go through the dress rehearsal, all of a sudden, here's the play. And you got bright lights shining on you and people are watching. It's different. So, and the other thing about Jeopardy is the buzzer. You have to, you have to ring in on the buzzer mm-hmm. and you can't ring in too soon. If you're ringing too soon, you lock yourself out. You oh, can't okay. see that at home, but sometimes you can see people hitting the buzzer repeatedly. It's because they rang in too soon and it locks you out for a half a second or something like that. Mm-hmm. So it's a timing thing too. The smartest guy or person usually wins, but it, it is a timing thing too. Anyhow, that's the first thing people ask. Well, how'd you do? I lost. I bet it all on the last question. I got it wrong. It's pretty depressing to lose on Jeopardy. <laughs> they, that's it. See you later. You can't. By the way, they tell you yeah. you can you can never come on again. Really? Is it? Yeah. That's unfortunate. So if if you don't win, you can't go back. And then you, if you do win, you have to keep winning. And then once yes. you lose, you're done. Right. Okay. Uh, the, and they say, look, there are too many people who want to be on. We can't we can't have people who lost you. So you know, see you later. Don't don't yeah. call us. <laughs> yeah, don't, yeah. Don't show do business. something else. Yeah, yeah. Showbiz. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. Showbiz is hard sometimes. So mm-hmm. anyhow, on my way home, literally on the plane, on the way home, I started writing an article about what's it like to be a contestant on Jeopardy. Mm-hmm. Cause I had never seen an I'd never seen an article like that. So, uh, and I literally wrote it on napkins on the airplane and an envelope. And I got home and there's a, the big newspaper in Connecticut is called the Hartford Current. And they used to have a magazine, a Sunday magazine section back when newspapers had more money and could afford yeah. stuff like that. And uh, so I was the cover boy on the Hartford Current Sunday magazine. And, and a lesson I learned from that is tr- also true about writing a book. So I, had, I didn't know anybody at the Hartford Current. I called up the secretary for the editor of the magazine section. And she said, look, we get a hundred unsolicited manuscripts every week. So I'll, I'll give him your message, but don't expect him to call you back. Five minutes later, a guy calls me back, says, I love Jeopardy. It's my favorite show. Do you have a rough draft? And I lied and said, yes, because I really didn't. I, you know, I had napkins and yeah, you had the yeah. roughest of drafts, yeah, I would say. Yeah, yeah. yeah, when it's just, when the best part is on an envelope, you know, you're very rough. Yeah, so, yeah you might it, need to type that up. Yeah, so he said, well, bring it in tomorrow. So that was back, you know, it was so long ago, I had the dot matrix printers, you know, when the computers yeah. first came up. So I stayed up all night and wrote this rough draft on the dot matrix printer. I brought it in. That was a great experience. I loved doing that. And... I got paid for it. Uh, by the way, Jeopardy, when I was on Jeopardy, you didn't get any money if you lost. Yeah. Now now I think the second place person gets $2,000 and third place gets $1,000. When okay. I was on, you didn't get anything. You got parting gifts. Remember parting? Are you old enough to remember parting yeah. gifts? Yeah, I know. Yeah, yeah I, know I got a gift song. All right, I got a case of rice aroni. A case of rice and roti. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, which which my secretary thought that was great, and I gave because she loved rice and roti, so I okay. gave her a case of rice and But they also paid me a thousand dollars to write this article, which I thought was fantastic. You know, it's like getting paid. I'm also a guitar player, 
and uh-huh. I, I used to teach adult ed guitar. Okay. So, and I got paid for it. And so it was sort of like that. You got paid for something that's really a hobby. So that's fun. And, mm-hmm. and something that happened was I got fan mail. People wrote me letters and oh, they really? called me. Wow. People I didn't know said, Hey, you're a really good writer and you're funny. You should write more. And I thought, well, you know, I got three kids and I got paid a thousand dollars, but that worked out to about two bucks an hour because it took me a long time to write this and rewrite it and all that. So I said, I don't think two bucks an hour is really going to put my kids through college and feed them and all that stuff. And I don't think my wife wants me to just make no money. Yeah, so. take, take a major <laughs> risk. And, and yeah. you know, when you need to support the family, that's, that's yeah. that'd be it's rough di- to do. It's different if you're 20 years old, just starting off. But um, so anyhow, I kept working and I said, someday when I retire, I'll, I'll start writing. So uh, fast forward to uh, six, seven years ago, I was out playing golf and uh, I was driving a golf cart to the first tee. And the next thing I remember, I was waking up in an emergency room with a guy shining a light in my eyes. And he says, James, do you know where you are? And I'm thinking, nobody ever calls me James. You know, what did I shoot somebody or something? I I had no idea what. uh, Anyhow, he says, "You you have a broken arm. Uh, cracked vertebrae, bit off part of your tongue. You cracked your skull. Uh, that was because you had a seizure caused by an undiagnosed brain tumor, and you fell out of the golf cart on your head in the parking lot. Oh my! That's not and good. And I said, <laughs> and I said to the guy, and I really did say this. Yeah, but other than that, how am I doing? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's that's the bright side to look at yeah, it, I guess. Yeah, yeah. so and, and that's me. That's my sense of humor. And it that shows through in my books. And people are looking for something funny like my books. Uh, and we'll get into, you know, different genres and where humor fits in and all that. Mm-hmm. But so anyhow, that I so I end up having brain surgery. Um and as I've said, there isn't any minor brain surgery. When they, you know, when you're, it's the doctor said, once your air, once your brain is exposed to the air, you're never the same again. And so I, so I'm fine and I can fake being what I was before, but I'm not the same. Mm -hmm. And basically what happened is the part of my brain they operated on was, um, controls math and, and, um, language. Okay. So. When I woke up, the first thing I started doing was talking and I wouldn't shut up because <laughs> I said, I want to make sure I can talk. Right. Yeah. So, so finally they said, maybe you should just calm down and, you know, not talk for a while. So I, I proved that I could talk, but the math part was gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, I can't do math. I can't con- I can't focus on anything for long. Yeah. And believe, believe it or not, I'm a writer, written four books, writing my fifth. I can't read that well anymore. I can write, but I have a hard time reading. And mm-hmm. it's the same. And I won't get into all the medical stuff, but 
I have a hard time translating something through my eyes into something abstract, like reading or, or doing numbers. Yeah. Yeah. Getting yeah. putting like a picture in your head, let's say. Yeah, exactly. I, I have yeah. a hard time doing that. So anyhow, I had to retire. Um, from well, yeah, my if you job. can't do numbers and you're yeah, a financial advisor. <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah. You're kind of faking it, right? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. So it was, t- you know, I was old enough to retire and it was fine. But so I retired and said, okay, I'm retired. I, my life's okay. I'm going to start writing mm-hmm. the books that I put off for so long. And the first book I wrote was kind of a continuation of what it's like to be a contestant on Jeopardy, except I didn't do any of the things I wrote in this be sincere, even when you don't mean it. I yeah. just said, what would be, what's kind of bucket list things that you would have liked to have done. And I make, it's not me. It's a fictional character and he's not that much like me, but I just made this guy up mm-hmm. and he becomes, he's an all American baseball player who goes to Stanford university in California and wanders into football practice. One day ends up playing in the Rose bowl gets traded, gets drafted by the Oakland Raiders. And the next year they make the super bowl. So he plays, he goes from the Rose bowl to the super bowl. Then he becomes an astronaut. Then, you know, he's a new, he's a, he's a astrophysicist. He, He's a golfer, so he ends up playing in the Masters tournament. He does the Hawaii triathlon. It's kind of a bucket list of pretty cool things. The book is really funny, mm-hmm. and um, it did pretty well. It, I I wrote it. I didn't know anything about publishing a book, so I put it on Amazon. And I don't know if you know this, but anybody can publish a book on yeah, Amazon. You can, can self-publish, right? Yeah, exactly. And, mm-hmm. and as long as it conforms to their standards, you know, it can't be like crazy threatening people or something like that. Yes. Uh, but as long as it, it technically conforms to their standards and isn't just, uh, you know, whack job threatening people, mm-hmm. they'll pretty much publish anything. As I say, if you write down a list of your favorite license plate numbers, they'll publish it. And some of the books aren't much better than that, frankly. Yeah. Yeah. So I didn't know you could publish a paperback. I thought you had to pay for it Mm -hmm. because there's a lot of models where you have to pay for paperback. So you have to buy like a thousand copies and they cost 10 bucks each. So you're out 10 grand and you have to sell them. Mm -hmm. But Amazon doesn't do that. They have something called print on demand. So anyhow, I published it. I don't know if do you have a Kindle, you know what ebook e-readers yeah. are. Yes, I I have an e-reader. So Okay. So I just published it on Kindle because that's free. Yeah. And after after two days, I hadn't sold one book. Because even the people who said they were gonna buy the book, because what do you do? You call up all your friends, right? Buy my book. Yep. None of them had Kindles. And and a lot of the guys are as old as me, they didn't even know what a Kindle was. They said, yeah. no, no, I want to buy like a regular book. So with the help of one of my sons who helps me with all the technical stuff, we went through all the Amazon stuff and realized, no, you can just, you have to do some formatting and it has to have a cover and all that. But so we did that 
And then we published the paperback and it did pretty well. And Mm -hmm. uh, the reason it did well is because it's funny. I'm a naturally funny guy. In fact, people said to me when I was retiring, oh, you should be a stand-up comedian. I said, well, I'm 65 years old. I just had brain surgery. I'm a little, uh, I'm, I don't like people criticizing me, you know, in person, I'm like a pretty mellow guy, but, and I'm, I wasn't like this before the surgery, but I have to take some meds and stuff. So you don't want to mess with me. You know, I, 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 and I have to make sure that I don't get in those kind of situations. Mm-hmm. But I said, I really don't think I want to go to open mic night and have people throwing beer yeah. bottles at me. Yeah, no, that's, I, don't, I don't really think that. Yeah, that's nothing. Yeah, that's but probably right not. <laughs> that's probably not a good career path for me. So I'll be funny in my books. So anyhow, this book's funny, and it had it got some great reviews from people I don't know. I mean, it wasn't like calling up my brother and saying, write a review. It got some great reviews from people I call real writers, real Mm -hmm. published writers found my book. And, and I mean, it's got some reviews are so good. They're embarrassing. And (laughs) they also, some of these people got in touch with me and said, you're really funny. And your humor is within the book, some people, some writers, well, step back for a second. Some really great writers aren't good at humor. In fact, most, if you, if you read a lot of thrillers, there's no humor in it, or maybe they'll have their character tell a joke, but they said, but it's like like dry humor, right? Well, it's kind of, I say they're like stapling it on. They're like stapling on a joke. It's not part of the plot or anything. They say, no, no, you're different because you put it, it's part of your character. It's part of the book. So you should, they're encouraged me to keep writing. Mm-hmm. But they said, if you want to be successful, you have to write a novel. Because my first book really wasn't a novel. It was a memoir, a yeah. fictional memoir. Here's what this guy did. As you remember from taking English classes, a novel the character has to change. The character has, to st- well, I'd say it's the Luke Skywalker model. Starts off as this inexperienced kid, and he's dragged into this big struggle. And at the end, he's uh, a, a mature man, and he's accomplished, all, triumphed over all this adversity. Yeah. Some character growth. Yeah, there you go. I decided with my guy, he wasn't going to do that. Because I had just been to my 50th high school reunion. And I will tell you, the same guys who are jerks when they're 18 years old are still jerks when they're 68 years old. Yeah. So I said, most people don't change. So my guy is not going to change. He's going to be realistic. I'm rebelling against the the character has to grow. Mm -hmm. That's fine. Except what you do when you do that is you're limiting your audience. Because it's like going to a movie. You want, well, think about, think about a movie you like. What happens? The character, there has to be conflict. You know, if there's no conflict and struggle, there's no, there's no story. So you think about uh, Die Hard. You know, it doesn't have to be a serious movie. It can be Die Hard. Mm-hmm. 
what happens? This guy gets dragged into this plot that he had no idea was going to happen. He, it gets harder and harder. There's no way he could possibly succeed. And then at the end, he succeeds. Mm-hmm. And that's not just true for thrillers or mysteries. It's true for ro- romances. You know, think, think about sort of romantic comedy. The girl saw the guy kissing another girl at the gazebo, and it turns out that it was his cousin, but she doesn't know that. And they go through all these struggles before they end up getting together. That's basically the theory for every romance comedy, except people keep going to them. That's what people want. They want, want, it's, it's a, it's kind of a template, but you could be very creative within that template, but you have to give people what they want. Mm-hmm. So I had to learn how to do that. So I decided to write a novel and I learned how to write a novel mm-hmm. as I was writing my first novel. And, and that's called losing Lola and losing Lola is a, uh, is a financial thriller. Mm-hmm. And this money manager, J.R. Johnson, he's from Texas. His client is Lola Madison the most beautiful movie star in the world. And sometimes they're lovers and it's kind of a complicated relationship. He's afraid he's going to lose her account to this New York hotshot mm-hmm. who's kind of modeled after Bernie Madoff. Okay. Yeah. A hedge fund guy who's a crook. And this guy, J.R. Johnson suspects that something's wrong because this guy's numbers are too good. Mm-hmm. And I can tell you, even the smartest people, sometimes they lose money. You can't make money all the time. It's a risky business you're in. Yep. This guy never loses any money and always makes a lot of money. So J.R. Johnson knows that something's wrong. Well, it turns out, yeah, he's just, he's lying. He's just making, and that's exactly what Bernie Madoff did. He just made up the numbers. So anyhow, so his suspicions turn out to be true. And that's when the story starts because there's Russian gangsters involved and there's murder and there's, you know, people will, one thing I learned about money is people will do, if there's a lot of money around, people will do a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah. Forget about laws and morals and all that stuff. The bigger the pile of money, the more things people will do to get it. Mm-hmm. That's kind of the theme of my, my thrillers. So that book, Losing Lola, did really well. It did a lot better than my first book. Oh, yeah? Is it, you think that's because of the conflict in it? And the yeah, growth? because it was because yeah. a story. Well, you know, the first book is mostly a guidebook. Okay. Because what does he do? He plays football, and he, you know, he's yeah. an astronaut. Yeah, he's, he's doing all these amazing things. Yeah. You know. That, that guys would like to do. Yes. Um, although it does have some women fans. But the second book is probably equal men and women and um, women are bigger readers than men. Yep. Especially on Kindle. Okay. Uh, The average Kindle reader is a 38 year old woman. Oh, okay. Yeah. So, um, so it, it just opened up a whole new door of readers for me and it, it sold a lot more books in the first one. And to step back, I decided to make audio books of mm-hmm. all my books. So I'm, so, I'm curious, uh, your decision to make audio books, what did it have something to do with the fact that you could no longer, um, 
pay enough attention to be able to read, you know, via your eyes? Was was it part of the reason you pursued audiobooks, or yes. were you just trying to do a different medium? Okay. Well, you know what? B- both. I'd say both. Okay. Because I'm a big consumer of audiobooks. That's how yes. I do all my research. I, I I don't really read that much. I listen to things. Yeah. Well, at least, so, at least you could do that. You know, at least you still have the ability to be able to listen and retain, you know, it's, it's funny that how your brain works. Cause that's a completely different part of your brain than takes in things through reading. Yes. Yeah. It's, it's, so anyhow, yes, that's how I got interested. Cause I never did audio books before that, mm-hmm. but also somebody told me if you want to be con- taken seriously, you have to have an audio book. So I decided uh, Audible, uh, excuse me. Yeah. Audible, which is owned by Amazon, um, has a great service called ACX, which produces the audiobooks. And they encourage you to go on and say, okay, I want to do an audiobook. And they have great tutorials. Here's how you do an audiobook. And mm-hmm. one of the things they encourage you to do is to narrate your own audiobook. Yeah. They say, try it first because then you get all the money. Yeah. If you get a narrator, you have to pay them. You have to split the royalty. So I'll, I'll get into that. But so I tried, I tried to narrate my own audiobook, and you know, you read five minutes of it and I was terrible. <laughs> I was, I was really awful. It, you know, I'm a pretty animated guy. I give talks to libraries. I enjoy myself and I'm funny. As soon as you put me in, well, for one thing, I have a hard time reading, which isn't really good. And the other thing is when you put me in front of a page, I turn into a zombie. Mm-hmm. I was like, uh, 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 you know, just monotone. Yeah. So anyhow, I, I listened to myself and I said, this is embarrassingly terrible. I can't do it. I wouldn't even listen to this book. I've got yeah. to find somebody. So they have a service where you go out and send it out for auditions. And I thought, well, who's going to want to audition? Especially my first book, you know, it sold, I don't know, a couple thousand copies. Who's going to, who's going to want to audition for my little book? Well, it turns out first day there were 15 auditions. Yeah. Second day there were 15 more auditions and and you and you start listening to him. Mm-hmm. The first guy was fantastic. He, I mean, he he was an actor. He had an actor voice, and yep. he was reading it with, you know, passion and humor and all that stuff I didn't have. Plus, he had one of those voices like a radio announcer. And mm-hmm. I thought, well, I don't have to listen to any. This guy's fantastic. I don't have to listen to anybody else. But I said, well, they all auditioned. I'll listen. I'll listen to him. Yeah. There were a couple of bad ones. All the rest of them were great. It was really hard to pick which one am I going to use. So they have a they have a couple models. One is you can just pay the guy. But if you're Stephen King, you're a famous author, you just pay the guy. Yeah. You get a famous narrator who's an actor, and you pay him fifty thousand dollars because you're going to sell a million books. Mm-hmm. And you, but then once you start selling, you keep all the royalties. The other way is a 50, 50 royalty split. Mm-hmm. So let's say you were, you're going to be my narrator. I send you the book, you narrate it. 
And when we sell it, you get half the royalties and I get half the royalties. Yes. But there's also a hybrid model where you pay the narrator a small, modest fee for their time to do it because they don't know if they're going to sell any books. Yeah. And then you split the royalties once they come in. And I decided the people, the best people who auditioned for my book wanted to get paid up front. Mm -hmm. So I decided, you know what, I'm going to bite the bullet and pay, pay this guy. So I paid him. Uh, he, it turns out he's, he's narrated all four of my books now. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. The guy's name is Gary Williams. He's fantastic. He, so he did the first book, which is pretty much one guy telling his story. And there's not a lot of, uh, there's some dialogue in it, but there's not a lot of dialogue. And the, uh, you, you can make some decent money on audiobook if it's successful. And it was pretty successful because it, cause it's funny. Yeah. So, so the second book is a novel much longer. There's 20 different characters in it. Some of the characters are women. Lola's the beautiful movie star is obviously a woman. There's some of the strong characters in the books are women. And some of the conversations are between two women because a novel, you, you have conver you have dialogue in the novel. Yes. So I said to Gary who, you know, he lives in California. We've never met, but we become friendly over, you know, over zoom and talking back and forth doing the books. I said, Gary, you know, you did a great job on the first book, but this one is a novel and it has, it has a Russian bad guy in it. It has conversations between two different Russians, conversations between two or three women. He says, no, I'll give it a shot. He said, I'll, I'll uh, audition for it, just like I did the first book. Mm -hmm. That was fantastic. You, you know, you have to, to be a narrator, you have to be, really be an actor. Yes. And I'm not an actor. Mm -hmm. And it really made me have a lot of respect for actors because I always thought actors are good-looking people who can talk, mm -hmm. right? Well, that's partly true, except the acting part is something you and I, you know, watch show on TV. You, t you take it for granted. But th those people, even the ones who you don't think are great actors, they're a lot better than us. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, yeah, I don't. I don't think I can actually lick. You know, I, yeah. I just don't think yeah. I can do it. Yeah. Well, so. maybe maybe I could say like two words. You know, where's where's the you know yeah. what that way. Yeah. I, I would be the large man in the background, right? Yeah. Just talking with <laughs> yeah. somebody off to the side. Yeah. yeah. Point point <laughs> point at something. But yeah. any anyhow, so the whole um, the whole situation of making an audiobook is really fun, mm -hmm. and just like. Uh, doing a paperback on Amazon, it doesn't cost you anything other than whatever deal you make with the narrator, Amazon. Yeah. And you have to design the cover and it has to be a little different than your book cover it has to be a different. I won't get into all the technical stuff. So it costs you a few bucks, but it isn't like it costs thousands of dollars to do an audio book. Yeah. So it's, it's rel relatively, um, you, you could afford it, right? Yeah. Any, so. anybody could afford it. Yes. And I will tell you that, so now all four books are audio books and uh, the fourth one is just coming out, but 
Um, when you listen, well, the, the first cool thing is when they send you your paperback. It's got your name on it. Here's your book title that you worry. Oh, what's the title going to be? What's the cover going to look like? They send you a box of them. You got to buy them, by the way. Yeah. So they send you know you you buy ten books because you're going to go make a talk and autograph it for people. Mm-hmm. So that's a pretty cool day when you open the box and you see your book. But even cooler is to listen to your audio book. I mean, the first one, the guy was so good. I said I couldn't believe I wrote it. <laughs> it's like this is really good this is really cool uh, i i've made it you know it's, and by the way i'm no big deal or, or anything but all right so i've written two books now both of them are audio books the second one was quite successful especially on kindle um because the first book sold no kindles second one sold quite a few kindles and was popular enough. Now I'm getting fan mail. Mm-hmm. And the difference, I got a little fan mail on the first book, but all the fan mail said it was really funny. The part where he was an astronaut and he had to go to the bathroom and, you know, whatever it was, yeah. that was really funny. But the second book, people talked about the characters. They'd say, oh, Sierra Quinn, she's so bad. You should kill her off. Or... <laughs> J.R. Johnson, you know, the main, the protagonist, one woman said, don't kill him. Do not kill him off. And I thought, you ever see the movie Misery with Kathy Bates? Yep. Where, where uh, James Kahn is the author, and he has this character, Misery Chastain, that he's tired of. He's written like 10 books with her, and he's tired of the character, so he kills her off. And Kathy Bates, this psychotic nurse, is a big yep. misery fan and she makes, she holds him prisoner and makes him write a new book. Yep. Breaks <laughs> his misery. legs. Yeah. Breaks his, yeah. All kinds of things. Uh, anyhow, I said to this woman, I who I know, I said, uh, this isn't going to be like a misery thing where you, you know, you know. but yeah. so I'm smart enough. I had this character, a main character that people liked. And I said, I'm not going to kill him off because people like him. Um, uh, Something else you we people may not know about Amazon is there's a thousand new books every day that hit Amazon. Mm-hmm. One thousand new books. Some of them sell one copy. A lot of them sell one copy or ten copies. You know, never go anywhere. But they're out there. You're competing with those books every day. You're competing with every book ever written every day. You're competing with Stephen King and John Grisham and all these established authors every day. You yep. got to. So if you got a popular character that people like, one way to be successful is to write a series. Mm-hmm. So, so I got this popular character that people like. I didn't kill him off. So I'm going to write a sequel. I wrote a sequel. It's called the Bitcoin Gambit. Mm-hmm. Now, this character Jr. gets done with the hedge fund stuff, and that resolves itself. He's back in Austin, Texas. He's managing money for people, but he's kind of bored, and he thinks, "What's the worst thing that could happen if I just dip my toe into a little Bitcoin investing?" Mm-hmm. 
he's a pretty risk averse guy. He doesn't take chances with people's money, but he says, I'm just going to do this for myself. What's the worst that could happen? Well, guess what? <laughs> That's a lot of stuff starts happening. And yeah. as, as I said, when there's a lot of money involved, people will do a lot of things. And I don't know how much you know about Bitcoin. It's not very regulated. No, it isn't. There's, um, there's no. They're currently talking about trying to regulate it more because it's so unregulated. Um, yeah. Well, first time I found out about Bitcoin is my son, one of my sons, his wife, somebody gave her, her brother gave her a Bitcoin back when it was 300 bucks. Yeah. And, and my son called and said, what is this? I, I didn't know what it was. I had to look it up. And so I got back to him and he said, what should we do? I said, I ah, just keep it. It's 300 bucks, you know, see what happens. Yeah. You know, now it's 45,000 or, you know, whatever it is. Yeah. It's, um, uh, it's around there right now. So I think it hit 50,000 <laughs> and then it, it, it went down yeah. some, but, um, I remember when Bitcoin was, uh, like pennies on the dollar. Right. Yeah. So, um, you, there's potential to gain and make money off of, of, of cryptocurrencies, but um, it's like anything else. It's a risk, and then there's no guarantee of, of payoff at the end, right? Yeah, well, that's uh, the book kind of explores that. And uh, you know, a lot of people um, are buying it because it's going up. They don't really know what they're buying. It's going up. I got to get in. That's yeah. probably 90% of the people. They have no idea what a cryptocurrency is. They don't know what's behind it. So the book kind of talks about that. And, and of course I have to make stuff up. So, so, so there's, there's some interesting people behind the cryptos that, that that's part of the surprise of the book that I'm not going to spoil. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Don't spoil the book. I got to read it first. <laughs> so, so we get through that and, um, that's even more popular than my second book. Mm -hmm. So I start writing a third book in this series. So this, my fourth book, it's called better than even because JR is done with Bitcoin now. And now he's got to get even in more ways than one. And I start writing that book and I won't get into all my medical stuff, but I have a hard time with stress. I'm not supposed to give be in stressful situations. Yeah. Keep your heartbeat down too right? much. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's bad for my brain to be in mm -hmm. stressful stuff. So I start putting a lot of stress on myself to finish, to write this sequel. And it's really stressing me out too much. So I'm about halfway done and I decide, you know what? I'm just going to put this down for a month. And I'm going to write this funny little golf book that I've been thinking about writing. Yeah. And you know what? I don't have any contract. I'm, I'm my own boss. I can do whatever I want. Yeah. So, you're retired. You, 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 your yeah, family's taken yeah. care of. So, I mean, you could do whatever you want. Yeah. Or I could never write another book or never. Yeah. So anyhow, I, and I don't have some uh, publishers tell me what to do. So mm -hmm. I decided to write this funny little golf book. It's a hundred pages long. It's called hit your second shot first. And it's funny. Um, it's cost five bucks. Mm -hmm. I intentionally 
intentionally said, I'm going to price it. One of the things I told people is it costs less. If you gave or received a Father's Day card, it costs less than that. And it's definitely funnier than that. Yeah. And it's something <laughs> it's something you can hold on to and read once in a while. Mm-hmm. And so I got a call from a guy who's reading the book and he says, I'm writing a review. And I have to tell you, it's the funniest golf book I've ever read. But strangely enough, I think it'll help me with my golf game. So that's kind of my sales pitch. It's funny, but if you do some of the things I talk about, it might actually help you. And basically it, it just says, hit your second shot first. Uh, do you play golf? A little bit. Um, I never, I've never actually been on a course. I used to, um, my grandpa had golf clubs at his house. So he used to set up uh, mugs across his field and then he'd make us try to hit and, and go into them. So, you know, uh, nothing so you special. Can really a little bit. A little bit. I can, really, can relate I, to what it's like. Yeah. And, and I mean, I, I watch golf on TV and yeah. I understand some of it. I would really like to go one day, but it's like I said, it's one of those things where uh, it takes a little bit of money to get into and I just don't have the money to do it at the, at the moment. Right. So, yeah. well, what I would tell you is, you know, it's something called a mulligan. If you hit a bad shot, sometimes people say you can take a mulligan. In other words, you can hit another one. Yeah. Uh, so you're on the first tee and you hit a little grounder and somebody says, ah, I'll take another one, you know, and almost always you hit a good shot. Mm-hmm. So the book starts off like that. Well, how come your second shot is almost always better than your first shot? Mm-hmm. That's why it's called hit your second shot first. Okay. So it, it, that it starts off with the exploration of that saying, you know, what's going on in your brain that causes that to happen. And yeah, it goes through a lot of stuff, and some of it's just silly, funny stuff. But it was very successful. It was the number one sports humor book on Amazon for several days in a row. It was oh, the number okay, one. Good. It was the number one. Um, it was number one in several categories. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, it, number one in books you can read in less than two hours, or you know, that you know, it wasn't the number one bestseller in the world or anything, but I sold a lot of copies. Yeah. Well, it was and, successful. You could say it, it, yeah. it was successful. So yeah, it's, it's still out there. I, you know, I still, um, the thing about books on Amazon is you have to keep pitching them. You have to keep advertising. You have to go on podcasts. You have to keep giving talks in libraries and stuff yeah. like that. Cause it, if you don't, your book falls off the cliff. Mm-hmm. Unless you're Stephen, even Stephen King, uh, probably the most successful author in the world, he has specials on his books. Mm-hmm. There'll be a one-day special. You can buy this book for a dollar. Yeah. You know, this guy sold a billion books. And it's obviously he's not doing it. His publisher is doing it. It means they have some in the warehouse they want to get rid of. But uh, books, as I said about publishing the Jeopardy article, you have to, you can't just wait for the world to come to you. You have to go out and kick the door in a little bit because yeah. otherwise you can write a really good book and you can sell a few at the, at the beginning, but if you don't keep some kind of marketing plan, you don't sell, you, they it just stop, especially yeah. paperback. Uh, audiobooks for some reason have more legs. 
they keep selling audiobooks. Mm-hmm. But uh, just a regular paperback, well, for one thing, you don't have as much competition in audiobooks because most books, some guy writes a book and it sells 20 copies. He's not going to do an audiobook. So you don't have as much competition in, in that. But I think an audiobook reader is, or a listener, I guess, is different different person than a, than a reader. Yeah, well, and the other thing about audiobooks is, is um, they're very good for commutes, right? Yeah. Uh, if you got to drive to work, like I, I have a, just to go to work, a 40 minute drive for me. Right. So that's 40 minutes to work and then 40 minutes home. So that's an hour, 20 minutes right there. And I mean, the radio is nice. It's, it's fun to listen to music, but I love podcasts and I love audiobooks. So to me, uh, you know, but I'm someone who could sit there for the entire day and read a good book. Right. Um, but I can listen to one just as well. So if I can use that time while I'm commuting, to 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 enter this world that's coming from this book like why wouldn't i right so and i think some people can't sit down and read you know they'd rather be doing other stuff while they're home so but when they're driving they have to drive so you're just trying to fill fill the time so i think in that sense i think you're going to get more people who are are willing to listen to audiobooks when they wouldn't normally sit down to read them right yeah yeah, there. So there's like there is an overlap between people who read and listen to audiobooks, but some people just listen to audiobooks. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and reaching out to them isn't always all that easy. But once you get uh, audiobook listeners are very loyal. Yeah, and they will recommend you to other people more so than readers. You know, yeah, you just you just start to learn this stuff. You know. If, what you were saying, I never listen to the radio in my truck anymore. Mm-hmm. I I only listen to podcasts and audiobooks. Yeah, there's just more substance to it, right? Yeah. So music music's fun. Like the, I think music's yeah. a good way to escape and just kind of yeah. lollygag with your brain, right? But if you want something engaging and you want you want to. Uh, you know, have some substance while you're driving that that's the way to go. Podcast, audiobooks, stuff like that. So, well, it, it's funny. You mentioned about how you get lost in the character. That's one of the things I had to learn to do as I wrote the novels. And you know what? We all know this, maybe can't put it in words, but when you think about a movie or a book that you like, you identify with the hero, you lose yourself you forget about your troubles for 40 minutes or whatever your drive is because you're putting yourself in the shoes of the hero and you're worried about him. Yep. So it takes your mind off of, you know, whatever problems you're having in your own life and you worry through the the character. How are they going to get out of this? And I had to learn to do that. It's funny um, because your first instinct is not to do that. Oh, I don't want to get this guy in that much trouble. But you have, you have to get him in trouble. Yeah, well, you, and it has to be escalating trouble. How is he going to get out of it? And then yeah. you get him out of it. Yeah. Yeah, and it's um, you know, it's it's very much about the plot and staying consistent with the plot and putting yourself in the shoes of that character and making sure that what they're doing follows what their character would do, right? Yep. Um, so you know, I'm not 
a writer really uh i i dabbled with with writing a couple books here and there in high school and i mean i've had up to like 10 chapters right but what i do uh more recently i love playing dungeons and dragons with my friends right yep and uh i dm which is dungeon master and dungeon masters are responsible for creating a world in which the other people who are playing with them can experience so i know very well what it's like to to create a world to have plot lines to create hooks for people to buy into to get invested into uh what we call you know um npcs non-playable characters right um they're the characters in your story that help goad the real life people yep so i i understand where you're coming from for sure and and you definitely want to stay consistent with that plot because your readers are going to know if you're not they're going to yep. read your book and they're gonna be like he want to do that why why are you doing that and it doesn't make any sense. So you need to follow the the logical path, right? Well, you also have to you have to write more drafts and something like that. like my my other book where I was just making stuff up. Mm-hmm. It didn't have to make sense. Yeah, this guy, you know, this guy lucks in to be NASA asked him to be an astronaut. Okay, and people accepted that, but you you couldn't put that in a novel because nobody'd yeah. believe it. So uh, so it's harder to write a novel. Mm-hmm. And what you end up doing is more drafts and you have what are called beta readers. You have yeah. people who volunteer to read the book. Yep. And then they give they you volunteer to read the first draft. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And they say, you know what? Uh, this girl uh, throwing JR out, you know, telling him to get lost. She wouldn't do it like that in real life. I had a woman telling me, no, here's what a woman would do. And her suggestion was perfect. Yeah. And it made it, it made it much more plausible of how something would have happened in the first book. Yes. Um, so you have to learn to open yourself up to criticism to get better results. You can't just write a book and throw it out there. Even the best writers don't do that. They have other people look at it, editors. You know, you can spend a fortune paying people to do this stuff, but you don't have to do that because there's a lot of people who like to be beta readers and they're not going to tell you how to write the book, but they can say this part doesn't make sense. Or this guy, you know, is left-handed in one chapter and then 10 chapters later, he's right hand. You know, they, they point out those things that you wouldn't necessarily see. Yep. Yeah. Because you're, you're sitting there as the writer and you're trying to manage an entire world and 20 different characters. And so it's very possible that, that these things could slip from you, right? Um, I'll tell you one other thing, and that's one of the things that was putting all this pressure on me, writing a third uh, installment of my J.R. Johnson, mm-hmm. was if you're, and believe me, I don't think I'm any great writer or anything. I think I'm pretty good. I, you know, I've got some pretty good reviews, yeah. but I don't think I'm the world's greatest writer, but if you're doing a good job writing a novel and it's like you're saying about creating the characters, creating the world. If you're doing a good job, you start living with that. Mm-hmm. They, the characters become like real people to you. Yeah. And you start living, you know, I'll be sitting there watching TV with my wife and I'm thinking about what is Sierra Quinn going to do in the next chapter? Mm-hmm. What would it make sense for her to do? And, and, it starts taking over your life. Yes. It, it, it's, it, go ahead. Okay. It definitely does. Um, 
so I, as I told you, I, I'm a huge fantasy reader. Uh, so it's a lot of fiction, um, fantasy fiction, sci-fi fiction, stuff like yep. that. And one of, uh, one of the authors I, I read, um, you know, he would do questions and answers and stuff like that online. And, um, in one of his books, one of, one of the side characters, but one that he loved very much, um, died. Right. Uh-huh. He, he, he didn't want to kill them off, but it was the natural progression of the character. And uh, he said when he killed them off, he had to take a break because he like started crying. He was so invested <laughs> in the character, this fictional character that he created that like he was shedding tears because he's like, I can't believe I had to do that. Right. And he wrote it because that's how it needed to be written. But he wished he didn't have to write it that way. Right. So, well, that's, you know, I can, I can relate to that because, mm-hmm. you know, not everybody makes it through these books. Um, there's some violence in it. And, you know, as I said, when there's a lot of money, people will shoot people to get the money. Yeah. And, and I've had, I had to kill off a few characters that people were surprised got killed off mm-hmm. and I felt really bad, especially one of them. And I won't ruin it for you. Yeah. Especially one of them. I felt kind of, I felt like, you know, my aunt died or something. It was, it just didn't seem right for a while, but as you said, it had to happen for the plot to turn out. I knew it, you know, I, some people are big outliners. Mm -hmm. They kind of know everything is going to be in the book before they start really writing it. And they, uh, there are other people that are called pantsers. They just write by the seat of their pants. Yeah. I'm probably one of those. (laughs) I'm, I'm in the middle. Yeah. Okay. I, I know how it's going to start. I know how it's going to end. I know what the middle is. And then I fill in the rest, but I know what's going to happen. So I knew who was going to die in this book, but I even, even so I felt bad about it when it happened. Yeah. So, so you start living with these characters. If you're doing a good job, you're living with these characters and it does start to put some pressure on you. So I'm back. I'm back now. I've finished the golf book. I did all that stuff. I'm writing the, uh, the third J.R. Johnson book. And it's, it does get intense at times. And there are times I have to say, you know what? I'm going to go out and pet the horse. Yeah. I'm just going to not write anything the rest yeah. of the day. I'm just going to go take some time what, off. What, what do they call that? It's a uh, Einstein's Eureka method yeah. um, where sometimes you just need a, to distance yourself from what you're doing and go do something else. And if you need to come up with something that you are doing while you're doing something else, it'll pop in your head or it'll free it up for you to where when you go back, you have a clear mind and a clear path. Well, so, it's funny it's in, in uh, the Bitcoin gambit, I kind of knew how to resolve this main issue of the book, but I didn't know specifically how I was going to do it. And I thought of it, I woke up at three o'clock in the morning and I, and it was like the Eureka moment. It was like, oh, I, I got it. This is it. So my wife's used to me getting up in the middle of the night. I go out and I've got an office above my garage. Mm-hmm. So I walk out of the house to go out to my garage and I start writing. And I wrote this chapter and then I went back to bed and it was, it was just, I didn't know I was thinking about it in the middle. You know, I was asleep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and it came to me. So it it makes life real interesting doing this. It, yeah. it 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 isn't just your plain old humdrum life waiting for a baseball game to come on TV or something. 
Yes. Well, that's all very interesting. Um, so you're going to be writing a, a fifth book. Yeah, I'm. In, I'm almost. I'm almost done with the second draft of the fifth book. Okay, and is that going to be a continuation of the series? Is yeah, that that's going to be. That's a continuation of the series. It's called Better okay. Than Even. All right. Yeah, Jr's into. Uh, Jr's into um, some new adventures, and gotcha. uh, there's. There's bad so, guys trying to get them, and without trying to give away in any anything, uh, do you think the series is just going to keep going? Or, yes. Okay, so it's it's going to keep going until maybe you feel like you hit a, a logical uh, finishing point, maybe. Well, I'm old, so I, there's a finishing point coming for me. You know, true, I'm going to do it. True, but, but <laughs> I'm going to do it. I I'm going to do it until I can't do it anymore. Whether okay, now. Remember how I said the characters got to develop? Yes. This was always planned as a, uh, what do you call it? Three. What, what, why am I not? Trilogy. It? Trilogy. trilogy. It's always yeah. planned as a trilogy. This is, so this is uh, the character development for JR. Mm-hmm. The end of the book is going to be the character development for him. But without giving away the ending, I'm, I'm already outlining the fourth book. Okay. So he's going to be a full-fledged man at the end of it, one way or another. Yeah. And resolve some of the issues that he, some of the things he really didn't face up to in the beginning. Gotcha. He's got to face up to those things. Mm-hmm. But it doesn't mean there can't be more books along the line. Oh, yeah. Well, that's good. I, I like it. Um. You know, I've I've read some series where where it was a trilogy, and then after that, it was done with, right? Yeah. And um, I mean, you have enough closure to where you're like, okay, that's good, but then you're always left wanting more, which I think is also good, right? Um, and then I've I've also read some series where I'll pick it up, and then I have to wait for the new ones to come out. And I'm, yep. you know, you, you seem to be doing a pretty good job of, of getting them out, but uh, some authors take a lot of time, right? And you'll read it and they're like, yeah, it's going to be a trilogy. And then they finish writing the third book and they're like, well, we're going to have two more books now because I couldn't fit it all in that last book. And you're like, Hey, I'm all about that. Right. So, um, you know, I can't, I can't promise there's going to be a fourth book. Um, <laughs> I'm already get, I, I do have some fans. Yeah. And, and they're putting, he, when's the third book coming out? Yeah. Oh yeah. You know, yeah, uh, like every day, you know, how, yeah. where's, where's the, so, uh, and I'm not promising them there'll be a fourth book. And I, in my own head, it might just be, this might be the logical place to stop. Yeah. And it, maybe I've got to come up with a new character, you know, and as I said, I can do anything I want. Maybe the next guy's going to be science fiction. I've always liked science fiction. Mm-hmm. Maybe I'll do one of those. Yeah. Hey, I don't want to hurt. Um, yep. I think, look, and I'll put it to this way, because I have I have favorite authors, right? And they put out more than one series. So whenever yep. I see they're putting out a new book, I'm buying it. Why? Because you earn that place, yep. right? Like, I, I want new books to read. Well, if one of my favorite authors goes in a different direction and creates a whole new series, of course I'm going to read that. So as, as far as I'm concerned, keep writing. 
you know, even if it's not the same series, like as long as you're able to do it and you want to do it, keep it going and your fans will follow. I mean, one of the problems though I have is, um, because my first book wasn't a novel, I have some people who really like that first book who don't yeah. like the novels that much because they're not, they're still funny, but they're not as funny. Did, did they, did they enjoy your golf book though? Like the, the hit yes. second shot. So yeah, they love my golf book. Yeah. So are, do you think you're going to do any more of those, um, you know, humorous sports related, um, you know, short books? Yeah. You know why? Cause they're easy. Yeah. Um, are they fun? It's not do, do like, you have, do you have a lot of fun? Yeah, writing so them? fun. I know you enjoy it, but like, is it just su- such a different pace maybe that, that it's a good, uh, way to just kind of take a break from the serious thriller, you know? Yeah, exactly. And you know, it, they make me laugh. Yeah. Yeah. I find myself laughing at my own jokes, which I don't know what that says about me, but <laughs> uh, I, I, I laugh at my own jokes sometimes yeah. too. So, but, but, like you were saying, well, I saw a book by this author and I read his other series. So now I'm going to read the, I guess that's a good problem. People like, I guess I, you can write in different genres and, mm-hmm. and I'll just see, but I will tell you this and I, and it's not just me saying this, but the people who are the beta readers are saying this third one, that's the best book you've ever written. Ooh, I like you're, that. You're, you're getting better. I love the plot twist in it. Yeah. So I'm, I'm definitely improving as a writer as mm-hmm. I go along and I, and I, I'm just going to keep doing that. And maybe, uh, maybe I'll get lucky and hit the, hit the big one sometime. Yeah. Well, e- either way, it, at the end of the day, you can say you're a successful writer. So, uh, you know, I mean, maybe not as successful as Stephen King, but that, that yeah. you know, at the end of the day, you can still be happy that, that you are successful at something. Right. Yeah. Uh, yes. And I'm, I'm, you know, you don't want to sit on your laurels and and (laughs) one thing about putting something out, you've probably noticed from podcasting, when you put yourself out there in the public, you're opening yourself up because the internet is anonymous. So you can be, people can be mean to you. Oh, they can be very brutal. They can be very brutal. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, so I, and I tell, I tell that to people who, you know, want to do a podcast or they want to write a book or something. If you're real sensitive, watch out. <laughs> yeah. I'm not real sensitive. Yeah. If somebody's like a real jerk to me, I just laugh. Yeah. So what, you know, but if you're real sensitive, I'm sure you, you have the same thing. Podcasting people just get like vicious. <laughs> yeah. You have to be careful <laughs> because I, I, so go ahead. Uh, well, uh, yeah, because it's, if somebody was sitting down talking to you, they would, they wouldn't say these things, right? Oh, if they're sitting. In- yeah, you're a hundred percent correct. Um, I've seen that happen before and, and I've been lucky, you know, I have a, I have a small audience and, uh, I mean, my podcast is only, um, like eight months, you know, I, I started it in January. Yep. So I haven't even been over a year yet, but I have a small, you know, a small group of people that consistently, uh, listen and I appreciate that. And, but when I made this podcast, you know, one of my specific goals was to have open communication and dialogue with people, but to be true to myself, right? I'm not going to walk on eggshells to make people happy. I'm not going to change what I'm saying or doing to, to cater to anybody. And I think that might be a little bit different from book writing, right? You, you probably have to 
say, okay, well, there's certain things I need to do if, if I want the book to be uh, prolific, right? Like you said, like the sports, the difference between your, your sports book okay. and your thriller. And you said, okay, well, before I was only catering to one audience. Now I want to broaden my audience. So in some ways you have to adhere to that and you have to do certain things that you wouldn't normally do, right? Well, yes, but when you made that statement about I'm going to do what I'm going to do, uh-huh. I can really relate to that because yeah. people said to me, well, you can't write any humor in thrillers. I, um, I don't know if you read or saw the movie Jack Reacher. Yep, I have. Yeah, Jack Reacher. Jack Reacher isn't exactly a barrel of laughs. He mm-hmm. just goes around shooting people. Or um, Spencer, the Spencer books, which are very successful um, detective. Yeah. Uh, and and the TV series with Spencer for Hire based on that. There is no humor in that. There's not one thing that would even make a smile in those books. Yeah. And people said, well, that people want in a, in a thriller. You can't, you know, the, you can't do humor. And I just said, you know what? I'm naturally funny. I'm going to put humor in. Yeah. And if people don't like it, don't read it. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, there, there's, 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 there's a, a lot of audiences out there and I'm going to, I'm going to cater to the people who like what I do, but I'm not going to change it that much. Yeah. I, I, and I think that's the way to go. Be, be genuine and be yourself. Um, honestly, I don't know why you could have put, put humor into thrillers. Um, it's more of a movie thing, but tonal shifts, right? Um, tonal shifts, what can help highlight other areas of the story you're writing. Right. So if you're serious all the time, it could feel monotonous after a while, or there's no, there's no deviation from that. So it's always one tone. Whereas if you throw a joke in there or a silly situation, you're going to bring your audience from something serious to something that's completely different from that, but then the serious again. And when they go to serious again, they take it, they take it more seriously, right? Or it affects them more profoundly because they have a compare and contrast. So, well, I, you know, there, that's, there's, there's kind of two schools. Yeah. Think about a good movie. It isn't just serious all the time. James Bond movie. Or yeah. Whatever, you know, funny thing. Um, but there are some uh, the, like Jack Reacher, what I just talked about some, and, and, and that's a wildly successful series. Yeah. And I think that's kind of. I think men read that and they kind of see themselves as Jack Reacher, this tough guy, and it's just tough guy all the way through. Mm-hmm. And Spencer is just tough guy all the way through. Yeah. And it just caters to a certain audience. On the other hand, a lot of people have said, Hey, your, your books would really be good movies. Mm-hmm. And I kind of wrote them. This is a movie I'd like to see. Yeah. That's, that's, that's kind of how I develop my plots. This would make this would be a good movie. So I'm flattered when people say it would make good movie. I'm waiting for Hollywood to call. You know, if you know, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know Steven why not? Spielberg? You know, give yeah. him my name. But yeah, <laughs> well, but that's that's there are. Um, I don't want to get all authory on you, but um, the first person detective novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and it's not just men. There's a, oh, I can't think. Janet Ivanovich writes these first person novels. Yeah. And 
if you think about a first-person novel, the main character has to be in every scene because if they're not, they can't they can't know about it because they're yeah. telling you just what happened. That's my first book is first person. This guy's in every scene because because these are all the things that happen to him. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of uh, the simpler detective stories are first person serious one thing after another happens but they're very popular that's not me yeah so i like i like variation i think in uh in my books and my movies um i like the tonal shifts right i, I feel I feel like it gives it some flavor. It, it makes well, I, you I, appreciate, you know, the main tone by, by going off script a little. So. As I said, I'll send you copies of um, the audios of uh, yeah. my two um, thrillers and I hope you like them. Yeah, I think I will. So, uh, but we can so go if ahead. you like them, do it, do a review. <laughs> I will. I'll, uh, I'll, do, thing- I'll do a review and then I'm going to tell a bunch of people to go and get them and read them. So, or listen to the, 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 um, the one hard thing about writing, even when you have a popular book, even when people you don't know, or send you a fan mail, it's mm-hmm. awful hard to get people to write reviews. Yeah, you're right. So I will write you a review after I read it. So I will do that. Very good. I, I'll take you up on that. I'll send you, I'll send you the copies tomorrow. All right. I appreciate that. We can go ahead and wrap it up. So, uh, folks, it'll be a shorter episode this time around, but no big deal. Um, it was great having you on. I, uh, I enjoyed well, this. Episode you know what? Can I just, well, I, I enjoyed meeting you and, uh, can I just plug my website, yes, which is, please do. Jim, it's, it's, uh, Jim Flynn, F L Y N N six S I X.com. And I think and, you've been on it. Uh, yeah, I've been on it and uh, I will talk to my books. I will post a link of it on Facebook when I post the episode two. So people will have access to it via Facebook if they listen. And I, I'll just explain why it's called Jim Flynn six. Yeah, go ahead. Uh, because <clears throat> the day after I published my first book on Amazon, I found out there were already five guys named Jim Flynn who had books on Amazon. So <laughs> So as kind of a joke, uh, my website is Jim Flynn six. Mm-hmm. Jim Flynn is not, is a pretty common name. So, okay. and James Flynn didn't help. My initials didn't help. So I just went with Jim Flynn six. There you go. So, wrong hey, with that. it was great meeting you. Thank you very much for having me on. And I hope you like my books. Yes. <laughs>